bringing you the latest in tax credit news, this is Tax Credit Tuesday with your host, Michael Novogratik. The legislative challenges have been significant. We very much need legislation. we got to produce housing. We're still in a very volatile industry. It's a challenging atmosphere for almost anyone. We can't get all these mixed signals and messages. If he doesn't have a bipartisan bill, nothing's going to happen. Alternative energy is still very expensive. Hello, I'm Michael Novogratik, and this is Tax Credit Tuesday. Today is Tuesday, January 24th, 2017. This week, 15 years ago, Novogratik and Company hosted its first New Markets Tax Credit Conference in La Jolla, California. I thank the many of you who are there and have joined us every year since. That first conference came just a little over one year after the New Markets Tax Credit Program was created and the announcements of the first allocation awards were still a year away. The first day of the conference covered what the New Markets Tax Credit Program was, and then on the second day, we discussed what to expect with the allocation process and what it takes to qualify as a community development entity. Fifteen years later, not only is the New Markets Tax Credit Program established and proven, but we've just seen the largest allocation award amount in the history of the program. And we are back again in San Diego later this week to host another New Markets Task Credit Conference. We're expecting our largest attendance ever, well north of 500 attendees. I do hope you can join us. But first, there's a lot of news to cover. We'll start off our general section today with news about the Senate confirmation hearing for Treasury Secretary nominee Stephen Mnuchin. I'll share some of his comments that may indicate where he stands on community development incentives and on the future of Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. In affordable housing news, I'll talk about the state of the low-income housing tax credit equity market and what Ohio is proposing to help fill the tax credit equity shortfall. After that, I have two announcements from HUD, one on implementing housing opportunities through Modernization Act provisions, and the other on HUD's Moving to Work program. I'm also going to talk briefly about one of the Trump administration's first orders, suspending a planned reduction of the Federal Housing Administration's mortgage insurance premium. Then, I'll touch on the poverty guidelines released by the Department of Health and Human Services, and what that means about when we can expect HUD to release its 2017 income limits. In New Markets Tax Credit news, I'll discuss the CDFI Fund's plans to open the fiscal year 2017 round of the CDFI program and Native American CDFI Assistance Program next month. And I'll close out with Renewable Energy Tax Credit news, where I'm going to discuss how tax reform could affect renewable energy tax credit investments, and I'll have news on a recently introduced solar investment tax credit bill in the state of New Mexico. If you're ready, let's get started. In general news, President Donald Trump's selection for Treasury Secretary had his Senate Finance Committee confirmation hearing last week. Nominee Steven Mnuchin faced a host of questions from the committee on everything from tax reform to bank regulations. Mnuchin is a former Wall Street banker, investor, and Hollywood film producer. He was also the national finance chairman of Trump's presidential campaign. If confirmed as Treasury Secretary, 
It would be Mnuchin's first experience serving in public office. Because of that, affordable housing and community development advocates have been eager to hear his policy goals and priorities. Mnuchin echoed what Washington leaders on both sides of the aisle have called for, a fair and simpler tax code to promote economic growth. With that specifically means for Mnuchin remains to be seen. For the most part, he shied away from making any particular policy commitments, and he was largely silent on tax credit programs. But I do want to highlight a few of his responses to committee questions that may indicate his leanings on certain issues. Republican Senator Tim Scott from South Carolina asked Mnuchin for his thoughts on new or existing corporate tax incentives for distressed communities. Mnuchin's reply was that he thinks it's absolutely critical to use appropriate incentives to get businesses into struggling areas. This comment is very encouraging for those who work with new markets tax credits and other community development incentives. Now, another key moment in the hearing was when Republican Senator Mike Crapo from Idaho and Democrat Senator Mark Warner from Virginia asked Mnuchin for his thoughts on Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. Back in November, Mnuchin had told Fox Business News that Fannie and Freddie need to be taken out of government control and that the Trump administration would restructure them, quote, reasonably fast, close quote. At the hearing, however, Mnuchin's stance on whether Fannie and Freddie should be privatized became less clear. He did tell the committee that Fannie and Freddie's status quo was not acceptable, and he did seem to be in favor of housing finance reform, but he mentioned no specific details. He did caution that if changes are made, they need to ensure that taxpayers are not put at risk and that the government does not eliminate capital for the housing market. Now, I'll keep you posted with more details on Mnuchin's priorities as they become available. Meanwhile, the Senate Finance Committee will need to vote on whether to approve his nomination. If they approve, then the nomination goes to the full Senate for a vote. In local housing tax credit news, I want to follow up on a topic that we've been discussing in past podcast episodes. I'm talking about how state allocating agencies are responding to uncertainty in the low-income housing tax credit equity market. The new president and leaders of the new Congress have said that significant tax reform is a top priority this year. If substantial tax reform is enacted, then almost certainly we'll see a lowering of corporate tax rates. That in turn, of course, would reduce the value of many tax benefits, including the low-income housing tax credit. Now, because of the increasing possibility of lower corporate tax rates, some low-income housing tax investors are pausing their investment activity. However, still more are willing to invest, albeit based on the presumption that the value of tax losses will be less, which means, of course, less immediate equity for affordable housing. As I've said in past podcasts, a handful of states are planning changes to their qualified allocation plans to accommodate this new normal in the equity market. For example, Ohio is proposing to amend its 2017 qualified allocation plan toward additional 2017 credits to those projects that received awards in 2016. The amendment would set aside about $4.6 million out of the total of $27.3 million uh, available in 2017 
for 2016 awardees. To say that again, 4.6 million out of the 27.3 million that would otherwise be available in 2017 would be available for prior year, 20, year 2016 awardees. Now these credits would help fill unforeseen funding shortfalls for those 2016 awardees, shortfalls that are averaging between $400,000 and $1 million per development. The Ohio Housing Finance Agency said that a majority of its 2016 awardees have not yet closed with investors, so they're greatly affected by the repricing. My colleague, Mark Shelburne, has written an excellent blog post for the Notes from the Democratic blog on the state of the low housing tax credit equity market and what states are doing to help the affordable housing industry cope with the current drop in available equity pricing. You can read the blog at www.novaco.com blog, or just search Novogratic blog on Google. In affordable housing news, HUD published a federal register notice to implement several provisions of the Housing Opportunity Through Modernization Act of 2016, or what's commonly called HOPMA. Specifically, the provisions relate to HUD's Housing Choice Voucher and Project-Based Voucher programs and the inspection requirements for each. The provisions outlined in the notice are effective April 18th, but HUD has invited comments on the notice until March 20th. You can find the notice at www.hudresearchcenter.com. HUD is also inviting comments on the expansion of its Moving to Work demonstration program. As you may know, the Moving to Work program was created in 1996 to provide participating public housing agencies some exemptions from certain public housing and housing choice voucher rules. The purpose of the Moving to Work program is to reduce federal expenditures, to give incentives to working families or families seeking work, and to increase housing choices for eligible low-income families. By the way, public housing agencies are allowed to contribute Moving to Work funds towards low-income housing tax credit developments. Nearly 20 years after the program was created, the Fiscal Year 2016 Appropriations Act authorized HUD to expand the program from 39 public housing agencies to an additional 100 over seven years. So HUD is now seeking comments on its draft operations notice to implement that expansion. Comments on the notice are due March 24th. Now, implementing the expansion entails having cohorts of public housing agencies test specific policy changes. With that said, HUD has requested applications for the first cohort of public housing agencies to participate in the Moving to Work expansion. If you'd like more information on this program, contact my partner Rich Larson in our Tom's River, New Jersey office, or send an email to cpas at novaco.com, and we'll forward it on to Rich. I also want to touch briefly on President Donald Trump's administrative order to suspend a one-quarter point decrease in the Federal Housing Administration's mortgage insurance premium. For most borrowers, the mortgage insurance premium would have dropped from 0.85% down to 0.6%. This decrease would have saved borrowers about $500 a year on average, and it would have made FHA mortgages more affordable for home buyers, as interest rates are on the rise. The Obama administration announced the decrease January 9th, and it was scheduled to go into effect for new FHA loans insured on or after January 27th. Unfortunately, that will no longer be the case. And this rate reduction is suspended indefinitely. 
I should note, House Republicans spoke out against the reduction because it would have lowered the amount of FHA funds available to cover any potential mortgage defaults. And I'd also like to note that the Department of Health and Human Services has released its 2017 poverty guidelines this week. Now, HUD's required to include the Department of Health and Human Services poverty guidelines into its determination of extremely low-income limits. Now, in areas where the extremely low-income limit is determined by the poverty amount, there's going to be a slight increase in that extremely low-income limit, about a 1% to 1.5% increase, depending on household size. Now, with the poverty guidelines data released, HUD can now incorporate that data into its fiscal year 2017 income limit calculations. These income limits are used to determine income eligibility and rental amounts for some of the programs for HUD's assistance housing programs, including the long-term housing tax credit, tax-exempt bond programs, public housing, Section 8, Section 202, and Section 811. Now, these poverty guidelines data was released around the same time in prior years, which means most likely we'll see HUD income data limits released in mid to late March. I'll keep you posted, of course. And in the meantime, I would encourage you to check out our December 19th blog post. It's entitled, What You Need to Know About the Fiscal Year 2017 Income Limits. It's on the Novogratic blog at www.novoco.com blog. And if you have more questions about income limits, I'd encourage you to contact my partner, Thomas Stagg, in our Seattle Metro office. In new markets tax credit news, the city of Fife last week issued its latest monthly Qualified Equity Investment Issuance Report, or QEI report. Among other things, the report provides information on the dollar amount of allocation authority that's been issued to investors, as well as the amount remaining to be issued. Since the previous QEI report was released in December, there's been about $277 million in allocation authority finalized. And... billion in allocation authority remains. Now that 7.7 billion in allocation authority remaining does include the historic $7 billion allocation round announced by the CDFI fund in November. Of course, none of that allocation can be used until allocation agreements are signed by the CDFI fund. So the real amount of available allocation authority is more like 700 million. Now we do expect the 7 billion to be available shortly, we actually expect to start seeing executed allocation agreements over the next few weeks, at which point transactions can begin to close with that recently awarded allocation authority. Now, to learn more about opportunities, challenges, and strategies for making and seeking new market tester investments in 2017, I encourage you to register for our Novogratic 2017 New Markets Tax Credit Conference that's going to be held later this week. We have extra panelists to discuss topics like how to invest in underserved areas and how to market a project to a community development entity. Now, the conference is this Thursday and Friday, January 26th and 27th, as I mentioned, in San Diego. And there is still time to register. Go to www.novico.com events. And still in other news, the City of Five Fund said that it tentatively plans to open the fiscal year 2017 round of the CDFI program and the Native American CDFI Assistance Program next month. Now, these two programs share similar goals. The CDFI program supports community development financial institutions, or CDFIs, 
with money and training to help them grow and contribute to the revitalization of their communities. The Native American CDFI Assistance Program supports the creation and expansion of CDFIs in Native communities. CDFIs are major players in the New Market Tax Credit Program, so the CDFI Fund hopes to see them succeed in the areas where the investments are needed. The CDFI Fund announcement said that there are significant changes to the application this year. It posted draft versions of this year's applications on its website, although changes could still be made. The CDFI Fund is also planning several workshops at its office in Washington, D.C. on February 27th and March 1st. More information on the workshops, including how to register, will be released when the CDFI Fund issues its Notice of Funding. I'd also encourage you to contact a Novogratic office near you if you'd like assistance in applying for the funds. Or send an email to cpas at novaco.com. I spoke earlier in the podcast about how potential tax reform is already affecting local housing tax credit investments. Not surprisingly, tax reform could also affect renewable energy production and investment tax credits. A recent white paper by Marathon Capital found that investments in wind projects are more sensitive to a decrease in corporate tax rates than are solar projects. Their analysis shows that investor returns on most solar projects will not change and could show small improvements if corporate tax rates are dropped. I should note that we do have a blog post coming soon with similar conclusions. Now, in contrast, many new wind projects could see returns decreasing by about 40 to 120 basis points. While a reduction in the corporate tax rate could have a negative impact on the valuation of wind projects, the white paper did find that the market may be able to absorb most of the potential loss in value. This would be done through a combination of adjustments to offtake prices, build costs, and sponsor returns. Marathon Capital believes that the uncertainty created by the prospect of corporate tax reform will drive tax equity investors to larger, better capitalized sponsors. Larger, better capitalized sponsors are in a better position to absorb the risk of future tax changes through indemnities or higher upfront investments. Such a shift could significantly increase the inevitable consolidation across the U.S. renewable sector and especially around wind projects. Now, to read the report, and it's titled U.S. Federal Corporate Tax Reform, Potential Impact on U.S. Renewable Energy Financing, you can go to www.energytaxcredits.com. And if you want to learn more about the potential impact of tax reform across all major tax rate industries, do go to our Notes from Novogratic blog. In another renewable energy news, legislation was introduced in the New Mexico House of Representatives last week that would reinstate the state solar investment tax credit. New Mexico solar credit, you might remember, expired at the end of 2016. However, the legislation would reinstate it retroactively to the beginning of this year. The credit would be for 10% of the purchase and installation costs and go through the end of 2018. From there, there'd be a gradual phase down or reduction to 5%, and it would completely expire at the end of the year 2024. Now, the individual project cap would be $9,000, and the statewide cap would be $5 million per year. And that is a slight change from the previous law, which had begun in 2006. It had a $5 million cap, but that cap was divided 
under the expired solar credit, there was $2 million per year set aside for solar thermal systems and $3 million for photovoltaic systems. The new legislation simply combines them for a single $5 million annual cap on a first-come, first-served basis. Now, New Mexico profited from its former 10% solar tax credit, which had been in place from 2006 to the end of 2016. The state now has nearly 2,000 solar jobs and more than $191 million has been invested in residential solar panel systems. And New Mexico ranks 13th in the nation in solar energy installed, this according to the Solar Energy Industries Association. We'll keep you updated on the progress of the New Mexico legislation as it develops. And you can find the bill at www.energytaxcredits.com. It's New Mexico Bill HB82. Well, that brings me to the end of this week's report. That's it for now. I'm Michael Novogratik. Thanks for listening. This weekly podcast has been brought to you by Novogratik and Company, LLP. Archived discussions are available online at www.novaco.com forward slash podcast or by subscribing to the Tax Credit Tuesday podcast in iTunes. Novogratik and Company, LLP is a national certified public accounting and consulting firm with offices nationwide. Learn more about our professional services at www.novaco.com.